Coach, yes. I, <laughs> your sound effects are perfect. Okay, so we're, we're still like in the same place, sitting in the same building. We just got done with part one. Now, by the time our listeners hear it, it'll be a week later. Yes. We apologize for that because you have to, it's like a deep to be continued where you're frustrated because you have to wait, you know, to get to the nitty gritty. But you'll come back because yes. it's a great show. <laughs> and I mean, we didn't expect it to go down the path uh, that it did, but we, as we got to talking, you know, it just became crystal clear to me that listening is the first place, the first step when it comes to confronting the things that need to be confronted for the change that you actually long, but sometimes we get in the way of that's right now you know before we dive in i'm, I'm excited so we're like on a vein right now mm-hmm. i'm sherry wilson genius communication owner get sherry and wilson.com check it out you're coach greg mcneil yeah coachescorner.com mm-hmm. and uh we always have in our show notes ways to contact us because mm-hmm. we do like to help people so yeah you know, yeah but find help somewhere make sure it's good help though <laughs> <laughs> but Okay, we started off thinking we were going to talk about the uncomfortable place. Again, we got on the listening aspect and making sure that you're hearing what people are saying to you, mm-hmm. where you have a knee-jerk response of maybe blame or dismissal. Stop doing that. Mm-hmm. That's ego. Mm-hmm. Yes, you may have people that are resisting what you want to achieve in your business or your community or relationship. Sometimes what people are telling you is not accurate, but those are not things that can stop you and they're not things to necessarily dismiss because there may be some truth especially if you're hearing the same thing over and over and over right Right. or you're having the same outcome so that was pretty much the gist of the last episode Mm -hmm. now we're to and I, I keep getting this picture in my head coach of it's like you're at this house it's like creepy it's haunted you know it's got vines just dead spider webs and you know, all of that stuff. Just think of Halloween, black cats, witches, etc. Mm. And then there's a thing on like a piece of wood, old, on top of the door, the paint's all peeling off. I've got an active imagination coach. I see. <laughs> and it says the uncomfortable place. You gotta sit in this house that you just described for a week. <laughs> well, and the irony is you've actually built that house. Ooh, that's even better. <laughs> You feeling it, huh? And coach? damn true. <laughs> yeah, we built that house. Yeah, wow. You know? Great, great one, Sherry. Great I, you know, one. I thought so. Yeah. You know, I like sitting here thinking about this as we're talking. <laughs> I'm hearing though. I'm hearing and listening. You know, yeah. but I, I'm still thinking about this. So, you open up the door. It's creaking. It's scary. There's no electricity. Guy, get that candle lit, right? What is the uncomfortable place? What and why do we avoid it so much? So, I like to describe the life that we live as a journey. Okay. And so, from the moment we were born, we were each born with the ability to accomplish something mm-hmm. in this life mm-hmm. that nobody else could do but that individual. Yeah. And our life is set up in such a way that there are challenges, sort of like a heroic journey, but there are challenges that strengthen us as we move throughout our lives, um, and it makes us better, stronger, um, more self-disciplined. But when we avoid um, being active in that journey, active in that life, active in 
achieving those things that we say that we want for ourselves, that stagnation, right? That stagnation starts to produce situations and circumstances in our life that are uncomfortable, painful, okay? And like I said in the first episode, there's something cyclical about it. So when if so what comes to my mind right now is the relationship. Okay. Um the first relationship is the one that we have with ourselves. Yes. What do you want from this life and what are you willing to do um in order to achieve that? That's the first relationship, that's the first commitment. Yes. Based on how we handle that relationship, it sets the stage for what we encounter in other relationships. Okay. So, um I want to be great at business. I want to be great at some form of service. Whatever it is that that individual chooses, that path is going to take that individual into various circumstances in which they're going to chance get a chance to prove to themselves that this is what they want. Okay. All right. So now, uh, in this case here, what I'm thinking about is the person who wants to have the perfect relationship. Okay. All right, because that's that's the next thing, right? So we go from just the individual, now we're in relationship with others. Mm-hmm. But you have some things about yourself that you have a difficult time dealing with. Maybe you don't listen very well because somewhere along the line in your journey, you ended up with a confidence problem. Somebody said something to you that you gravitated to, you took hold and you made it real. So now you develop this exterior where you have to constantly feel like you have to prove to other people that you're better than they are. So without realizing it, you develop a pattern of tearing people down when they bring you something that you don't want to hear. But when that individual is now sitting with themselves, they realize, wow, why do I keep having relationship drama? Um, You know, just when I think I found the right relationship, something comes up and now it's destroyed. Five relationships down the line, the person themselves are the common denominator. (laughs) And I, I know I'm laughing, but you know, I just had a conversation with a lady yesterday and she was telling me about this lady that you know, she's had, you know, relationship after relationship, just not be good. Uh, she's, you know, can't understand why uh, she's not making any friends. And she's, you know, pushing people away. And the, the little bit of people that have tried to, you know, have a relationship with her. But it's everybody else's fault. And that's just how she is. And if people don't like it, blah, blah. And I said the exact thing. I said, you know, I really wish I was in the room when you've had some of these conversations because I would have asked one question. And she said, what is that? And I said, I would have asked, who is the common denominator in this situation? Exactly. You know, and she said, oh, well, then she might be ready to fight you. And I said, well, I'm not worried about boxing. You know? <laughs> I may not win, but I'll hurt you before I lose. And so, you know, but anyway, it was it was the exact thing. Who's the common denominator? And you're so right, coach. Mm-hmm. You got to look at, okay, it can't be everybody I've picked. No. <laughs> it can't be, you know, that everybody's a liar and I'm the only one that's, you know, in truth. Like, it, there has to be some looking at yourself. Oh, my goodness, yes. And... So I remember having this in a, in a clinical session, a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that was part of her problem or not, but you know, 
She couldn't keep a man, it seemed like, but she didn't have a problem getting one. And, um, and so when we sat down and talked about it, I said, well, well what do you really want? Mm -hmm. She didn't have an answer for that question. Mm. And her life had been externalized so much that it seemed like in each relationship she got into, she was trying out a new part to play. Right. She was constantly making adjustments, never really finding a center, which we would call ourselves. Yeah. And so, but she would always run across something in each and every one of those circumstances. Let's just say eight mm -hmm. guys. Mm -hmm. In each and every one of those circumstances, they would still bring it back to the same thing, even though she hadn't identified it. Okay. They would touch something within her in that relationship that she didn't like. Mm. And ultimately it got to the point where the relationship couldn't exist anymore. Okay. But she still couldn't define what it was that she wanted. And I said, well, until you can clearly decide what it is that you want, you're gonna to continue to have circumstances where people keep bringing things to you that you find that you're in conflict with because that conflict is a way of getting you to address finally what you want. Yeah. And the minute you can identify what that is, you change the way you approach your relationships with people, and then they start to reflect back to you the person that you desire to be in the form of the experiences yeah. you seek to have. But you gotta do that work first. I really want to clarify the uncomfortable place for people, because okay. a lot of times when, uh, and, and I know we've, you know, definitely given some, some ideas and thoughts, but a lot of times, you know, people start wondering, well, what does that really look like? And they may not hear what we're saying. Okay. Uh, I want to say, from my perspective, the uncomfortable place for me, and it may be just because I'm a D personality and significance, winning, competition, are things that are just built into my design. Um to me, the uncomfortable place has always been, Coach, where all of a sudden, through the voices of others around me, or even through repetitive outcomes that I don't want, the uncomfortable place is where I have to confront ego, mm -hmm. and then where I have to confront fear. Right. And so, you know, it's like fear of failure, maybe, uh, in a business idea I have where I, I just keep putting it off and procrastinate or uh, dread that it may be more than I can handle or overwhelm okay but the ego part and I I think the most probably significant um, experience I ever had was now I am a person of faith and I was going for my walks and I was you know praying and all of a sudden I had this thought you and it was just like this, very gentle. There was no sting to it, but it was like, you are selfish. Mm. So I stopped on my walk. And I. Was oh, that why I saw you standing still no. one day? <laughs> this is years ago. I was in my 20s. And uh, I stopped. And I at that moment, I was uncomfortable. And I could have just dismissed it and went on. And I'm like, you know, I might need to sit on that. And uh, so I, I started pondering it and looking at different actions and different facial expressions mm -hmm. would even come to my mind of mm -hmm. interactions with mm -hmm. people, uh, different things, different decisions. And by the time I got home, I'm like, you know, that is accurate. And I set about, set about changing those things. 
and then being aware. It was something as simple as this, Coach, and to this day I do this because of that experience. I like food. Wonderful. <laughs> and whenever I would cook dinner, I would always take what I thought looked like the best piece of meat or whatever it was because I wanted it. Mm-hmm. So from that point on, and it sounds like something extremely silly and even simple, but for me it was a big deal. From that point on, I'd always take the best piece and give it to someone else in my family. And no one knew, you know. Like I just told uh, Mike, my husband, the other day, that's what I regularly do. And this is 20-something years later. People that are naturally not selfish, they're like, oh, my gosh, that's terrible that you actually had to think about doing that, you know. But everybody's different. That was something I had to work on. And uh, so to me, my act of service became giving the best that I had, even if it cost me. And, uh, but that was a very uncomfortable thing. It hit ego. It mm-hmm. hit where I was as a mother and a wife because mm-hmm. they're supposed to be unselfish. Mm-hmm. But what it also did, Coach, is when I was a kid, uh, I had a particular stepmom that always said, you're selfish. And I remember it used to irritate me because, number one, I loved her so much, I didn't feel like she believed me. Number two, I didn't feel like I was selfish at all. And so it created this resistance in me like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll show you selfish you keep saying I'm that way fine and then it carried over into adulthood so not only did I have to confront that fact that I was being selfish but I also had to confront the identity that was given to me that actually helped shape shape who I was later and that was real uncomfortable because when you go back to that relationship and everything you know there was just a lot of trauma there so I not only had to confront ego I also had to confront messages I received and the pain of the past relationships, right? Yep. So to me, the uncomfortable place is where you go in there and you say, yes, that is probably accurate. And then it may touch into past relationships or messages you've received that are extremely painful. So I hope I've clarified that for people where you're confronting fear and pain probably. Yeah, Um, not probably, absolutely. so I know for me, I tend to like to tell more stories. Yeah. Um, and that's just simply because experience has shown me that sometimes a very direct message sometimes can be a little bit difficult for people yeah. to hear. Yeah. But what you're saying is true. When we start talking about the uncomfortable place, it's always going to be around some type of negative messaging yeah fear yeah right so fear is one of those ego is the other but impositions when we, that people oh, put on oh you? absolutely but when we start talking about ego you know even that is going to be leaked linked to fear so fear probably becomes a very dominant one and then you have other uh, personality characteristics that really stem from that you mm-hmm. know the impositions the things that people have told us um, especially if you happen to feel that you were powerless in some of those situations mm-hmm. um, but as you said the uncomfortable place is the one that has to be addressed because our life depends on it the, our quality of life really is linked directly to our ability to address those uncomfortable areas in our lives that will impact our relationship our experience in some form in some meaningful way whether we're talking about 
the the one-to-one relationship, let's just say the person within themselves, Mm -hmm. you and another person, your partner, your spouse, um, your family members, your business associate, your your uh, associates, your yeah, absolutely, all of those types of things um, will have to be addressed. And until they are addressed, they keep showing up in our lives. And uh, the more difficult part about that is, is the older we get, mm-hmm. um, they become more like tidal waves or okay. tsunamis. If you, I think you described that in one of your lessons. Um, they beget, they become more difficult for us to deal with the longer they go unaddressed. Okay, so I had a question that popped in my head when you were talking. Because every time I've gone to the uncomfortable place, the places where we contend to be haunted, and you go into that place, it never ends bad. No. Why do we fear that? Again, that's conditioning. Okay. Right? So, <clears throat> so... Self-discipline. Mm-hmm. Let's take this word, right? Mm-hmm. You hear self-discipline and people are just immediately turned off by it. Right. Which right. I love self-discipline. Yeah, I it's mean, my it, favorite thing. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing, right? <clears throat> you know, uh, but self-discipline, when you really think about what it is, it leads to gold. Everyone who engages in self-discipline is successful. Right. I mean, without exception. Mm-hmm. And so when you start thinking about the uncomfortable place going into that haunted house that you described that we created, when we recognize that only good is going to come out of that experience, mm-hmm. then we look at it differently. Okay. And that's what this is all about. We're saying we really want to change the way we think about things so that we can have better outcomes. Yeah. And when we stop thinking that discipline or courage or whatever action we need to take that's going to make us better is going to lead to pain, we miss the opportunity for joy. You know, it's like the person who says they have faith. Well, you don't have faith without challenges. Mm -hmm. You don't have faith without dealing with the uncomfortable place. It's just not built that way. Yeah. You know, trees don't grow tall in the springtime. Mm-hmm. They grow tall because they deal with winters. Yeah, and they have to have the winds. Exactly. Okay, do you think we also fear loss? Because it's almost like sometimes I think the ego we have is a protective covering or a protection that we think exists against hurt. Uh, I know the brain automatically views, views change as uh, a threat. Uh, you know, for some, and so you have to overcome just the physiological aspect of it. But when it comes down to the fear, is it almost like we fear that if we deal with those things that we'll be hurt more, or maybe we don't want to give up what we're knowing is causing problems? You know, the ancients have been talking about attachment Mm -hmm. for millennia. Well, we talk about having an, a, a proper attachment to things. Okay. A proper attachment to any person, situation, or circumstance doesn't leave us with a fear of loss. Mm-hmm. When we start to fear losing something, mm-hmm. we're not in the right frame of mind. Now you're in proper 
attachment. When we're in proper attachment, we don't fear losing things. But when you're in M, I M, as That's, in Maggie, proper attachment, now you realize there's an over attachment exactly. that needs to be dealt with. And that's where the nightmare shows up mm -hmm. because we start to hold on too tight. Mm -hmm. Now we have fear based thinking. Our actions are affected by that from that whole central idea well, I need to control this. And once that starts happening, you can see all of the other. Uh, disruptive situations occur just yeah. around that single thought of holding on something too tight trying to direct what let's say what your children are doing you're overly attached to what your children are going to do as adults wait a minute they need to be children first yes. right you're trying to control what your wife does what your spouse does what your staff what your staff does yeah. and and when we are hiding behind fears of loss fears of power loss of power um, influence mm -hmm. these types of things well you do end up losing those mm -hmm. because your mind is going to stay focused on those very things that you fear losing and as that thought continues to grow in your mind then it starts to be externalized in your environment most of our audience is probably going to be uh, what I would call an S personality because they make up 65% of the population and you know where a d power and i personality's influence for an s it's peace harmony and they will avoid conflict like the plague okay and when i on the surface oh yeah but i mean on the inside they're always in conflict <laughs> that's you exactly know the and uh, and so the majority of mentoring I do is typically typically with S personalities, which mm -hmm. is ironic because they're my polar opposite because I'm mm -hmm. a D. But I can take them into the mind, mm -hmm. you know, of a D because usually they're married to them. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I was talking to that lady where uh, she was mentioning that one lady, you know, has no friends, can't maintain healthy romantic relationships, etc. And uh, she said, and I the more I kept trying to make her understand my intent. And that I didn't mean what she took to mean by what I said, the angrier she seemed to get and she wouldn't listen. And I told her, I said, you know, I used to do that. Uh, the last time I did that was when I was man managing a conference room where two ladies that were twice my size tried to bow up on me. And so I stepped <laughs> forward and said, what are you going to do about this? You know, like, let's go. And my husband's literally picking me up, moving me to the side. And later, as I was debriefing with him as to why, you know, I, was re I was ready to take on, no joke, 400 pounds. And, um, and he said, well, because you keep trying to make them understand where you're coming from and they don't care. So I took that statement and I'm like, why am I doing that? I mean, it almost ended up in a physical altercation. So why am I doing that? And I realized it was ego. And I told this lady, I said, when we feel the over-attachment, over-communication of trying to make people understand where we're coming from, it is source and we want them to think well of us. Yeah. That's ego. Exactly. And a lot of S personalities do that because peace and harmony and understanding and acceptance are very important to them. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I think every personality does that for sure because I'm not an S. My S is like way, way low. Mm -hmm. But to me, it was an ego thing because I wanted them to know. And now I don't care if you understand where I'm coming from. I don't care if you like it. I really don't. I know where I'm coming from, and I can tell you my best intent is always for the person I'm communicating with. 
And if they don't want to hear that or get it, okay. Okay, so there, there we go now. You have to um, shake off the dust yeah. from your shoes, right? Yeah. So, but that was an uncomfortable place I had to go into. Absolutely. So one for me is the recognition that there is no such thing as peace without power. Okay, what does that okay. mean? Okay, well what that means is if you want to have a peaceful existence, then you actually have to fund a level of personal power. That's good. You have to learn how to, one, know who you are as an individual, know what you want, okay, uh, what you're all about essentially. Yeah. When you know who you are as far as that person is concerned, now you're going to be much more peaceful. So when people are speaking with you, you're in conversation with other people, you're not likely to go off the rails with anger or sadness or some other kind of emotional state because you know where you are, mm -hmm. you know what you're all about. So you can hear another person and recognize that that's the state that they're in. That's not the state that you're in, yes. right? So when you're, when you're teaching people, you can just leave it right there. You yeah. know, when you're working with people, it's like, hey, okay, I'm here to help you. Um, I'm confident in that. Yeah. Now, if that person doesn't want my help, it's like, okay, that's fine. You mm -hmm. know, adults vote with their feet, right? So yes. they leave your establishment, that's okay. Oh, there it is. Uh oh, but um, at the same time, you leave the person with the understanding that I care about you, mm -hmm. but I don't have to be in conflict with you over this, right? Mm -hmm. This is what I'm bringing to you because let's just say you're asking for this service. Now, if you don't like what you're hearing, that's okay. What would you like to do next? But I don't have to have conflict behind that. It's like, you yeah. know, I'd miss you if you go. I'd love to keep you as a client or a friend or whatever that is. But let's be clear about this. I will not hurt myself trying to maintain a situation that may not be good for me yeah. because I'm peaceful inside. And so yeah. that's what I mean by that, you know, like, and to be at a place of peace is back to self-discipline. Mm -hmm. You have to work on yourself. You have to know how you think about things. You have to know what kinds of things challenge you, right? Um, that's how we become masters in our life. Peace is internal. Yes, Everybody's it is. seeking to fix the outside when really it's the inside. Yeah, so yeah, our universe is just a, a kaleidoscope of projected um, thoughts mm -hmm. that are being manifested in the world. Yeah. That's, that's really what that is, you know. So, Coach, you know, I want to make sure you got through your notes and everything you want to say in our few minutes. But I was thinking of, um, you know, one of the things that if you're feeling uncomfortable or resistance of, you know, to things that are going on in your life, the first question that I usually ask myself is, okay, where is ego involved? Mm. I will do that right off the bat. Yep. So where is ego involved? And ego is always out for protection of number one, and that's you. That's right. And uh, so I'll do that. You know, what is it that is being confronted my ego that I feel it's, it's threatened? And so just like, you know, that incident I just talked about, it was I wanted them to understand, so they thought well of me. Well, that's ego. Um, I mean, I've had numerous ones. But uh, that would be a question I would suggest people ask themselves, you know, where is ego getting involved? And for some people that think they're super humble and they don't have ego, I would challenge that. You know. That's where truth meets BS, by the way. Yes. So one of the things about what you just said that's so easy uh, for the listener to get into because once you ask yourself that question, wait. 
Okay. Because as soon as you ask yourself that question, you are going to get an answer because you will be involved in some circumstance that's going to trigger that question for you so you can find out it's like, oh, I guess I'm not as calm as I thought I was. Mm -hmm. Or I'm not as some other state I'm trying to think of right now that they esteem so highly with themselves. Mm -hmm. So if you stay humble and you ask yourself the question, then you'll get an answer. But I want to back up real quick and say this. Um, Doubt, fear, Mm -hmm. anger, resistance, anxiety, right? Um, Any of those states, if you're feeling any of those, then you know right away that you're thinking um, or that your way of being is somehow or another under attack or it needs to be addressed. Because if you think that you're peaceful, if you think that you're in a calm state, or if you think that your life is where it needs to be, you will know that by your responses to things. Yeah. You know? And that could be a sign that maybe you're sitting on that old, broken down porch about to enter your haunted house. Could that be an indicator that you need to go ahead and step through that door? That's right. Yeah. If you're angry, if you're fearful, if you're anxiety, then that means that you need to go in and you need to see what is the source of those thoughts that you're thinking, because that's really primarily what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. We're talking about actions, feelings that derive exclusively from the thinking process. Okay. So when you go into that house, this haunted house that we created, it's like, Where are these thoughts coming from? Mm -hmm. You know, how do they come to be? And then when you sit and you wait for that answer, it's like, you know what? Yeah, um, my thinking is not accurate on this. I need to change that. And just to make sure no BS pops up too when people are in that place, don't, you don't need to blame mama and daddy and you don't need to blame your future or your past. You don't need to blame how you were raised or how you weren't raised or your financial stuff or whether you have a spouse, blah, blah. All of those things are external things. Bullshit. <laughs> yes. Excuse me, but yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's it like is. you're giving your power away. All of us have stuff it, in our past that could have destroyed us. Yeah, but if you, if you, <clears throat> your past... 20 years old leave your parents alone Mm -hmm. right now it does help to know like okay that may be where that thought formed you know okay i can see at this age in this environment that may be where that thought formed but you don't need to go back into blame or anything like that people do the best they can now i always say you know just being true crime you know uh person there are evil people okay (laughs) But the majority of people that are alive, their parents, their friends, their siblings, all did the best they could with what they had. So you can just extend some grace to people, extend grace to yourself, and quit giving your power away by blaming other people. That's true. I mean, that's, I mean, that sums it up. I mean, at some point, we're never going to be asked to address what someone else did to us. Mm-hmm. We're going to be faced with how did you respond to that situation and at that point then you know the responsibility is entirely yours in terms of how you responded to that situation so once we get to a point of recognizing that we are responsible Mm -hmm. now we're ready to make the change we seek Mm -hmm. and until then you know we'll stay in that repetitive pattern of thought um, those same experiences, relationships, work dynamics, you name it. And wonder why nothing ever changes. And wonder why nothing ever changes. And 
the sad part is after a while people can hear that loud and clear and when they do now nobody wants to be around you all right gandalf all right. that's a good place to stop you cannot pass <laughs> <laughs>